you know, I, I talk about this all the time with with uh, people that came from our backgrounds, right? Law enforcement, law enforcement guys. And uh, I get cops all the time that are reaching out to me like, hey, you know, how'd you get out of your way and like started this business, stuff like that. I'm like, you know, what's crazy and what a lot of law enforcement guys don't realize is how much stress we are able to take, right? And how that translates into everything else. Like, that's a superpower. How we deal with stress and anxiety and stressors and how we can adapt that, that's a superpower that will literally garner success. So if you know how to deal with stress, you will ultimately become successful in whatever you do. Hey guys, if you missed out on the last conference in Nashville, Tennessee, you don't want to miss out on the next one. It's April 28th through May 3rd, Orlando, Florida, the Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center. You made a mistake missing the last one. You don't want that to happen again on this one. Five days of some of the best training you're ever going to experience packed into one event. We have an early bird special right now, $50 off. Use 24 early bird on our website, streetcop.com. Look for the conference. Click the link. Register today. If you want to get significantly better at this profession in five days, don't dare miss out on the 2024 Street Cop Conference. Tell me about you. Man, about me. Um, Let's start with your childhood, Tomo. First generation American, uh, mother and father born in uh, former Yugoslavia, uh, both Croatian, so immigrated here. My grandparents came here when my mother was younger. Uh, father came over here when he was younger. They met over here and, you know, made some babies. That's where my brother and I came from. Uh, but, you know, entrepreneurship type family. My grandparents were in business on both sides. Uh, grandparents on my dad's side owned a cinder block company made cinder blocks. You know, they made a fortune after a few of the wars because they were rebuilding houses and buildings. Uh, grandparents on my mom's side came to the United States to Cleveland, Ohio, where I grew up. They started a restaurant and bar business, which is still there today. My grandma still cooks every day. She's 83 years old, I think. Uh, she still cooks every day, works every day. They're just hardworking, blue collar. You know, even though they own businesses, they're still blue collar. They didn't really like get into business to make a bunch of employees they basically created jobs and careers for themselves you know so i i grew up in that kind of environment where you just worked your ass off to get whatever you could get yeah i feel like a lot of people most majority of people who are going to try to get more come from that environment to be honest oh, with yeah. you yeah but i mean that's the american dream right you leave you leave those uh countries you leave those I don't know, second, third world countries, I guess, you know, Yugoslavia back in the day, it was, it was pretty third world. It was, it was like communist bloc, pretty shitty area, uh, no opportunity. Uh, so, you know, I had that probably instilled in me very early that, Hey, you had to work your ass off to get anywhere in this life, you know, and I'll tell you what, when I went into law enforcement, man, they did not like that, you know, cause they were like, Oh, you're going to work for the government. You're going to be police officer. It's very <laughs> yeah, dangerous. Yeah. And like, we have this business, you have to run this business. You have to get into this. Uh, this is what our family is, is building together. Uh, so yeah, most of my family did not like when I went into the law enforcement career. So, all right. You grew up in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. They got the restaurant in Cleveland. Yep. You go to high school, the whole mine. You were born here though, right? Yeah. I was born in Los Angeles. Uh, only was there as a very short amount of time. Uh, as a baby, a uh, young kid. And then I grew up in the east side of Cleveland uh, for the rest of, you know, my young years, moved out to the suburbs, 
uh, into a little bit of a safer area because East Cleveland is not a fun place to grow up. And uh, yeah, high school, I went to Cleveland State University and then ended up graduating from Tiffin University, uh, degree in criminal justice administration, but I had like four minors, I know, right? I had like four minors before that. I was in, I was minoring in sociology, psychology, uh, even tried to minor in archaeology at one point, Uh, but I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do in college, you know? And uh, then while I was in there, and I was also personal training at the time, because I love bodybuilding, I love fitness, I loved all this stuff from age 13, I uh, got basically dared, you know, because I had two guys that lived across from me on the same street, and they went to police camp, and they're like, hey, you don't like this personal training thing, you're doing shit in college, you know, doing whatever, why don't you go and try out for police academy? It's, it's cool, it's this, it's that, they convinced me, I'm like, all right, that was in like the beginning of June. The end of June, I go and try out because back then, for anybody that's not like 22 looking at this podcast right now or listening to this right now, we had a test in Ohio to get into academy. So you had to pass the physical test to even get into the academy uh, in the beginning. Push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, a uh, mile and a half run. So I'm a personal trainer. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in shape. I'm 21 years old. Breeze through this, kill it. And then like two weeks later, next thing I knew, I was full-blown into police academy, kind of on a dare. So when did you break that to your parents? Like once they called you and started the process? I think I told, so my mom and dad are divorced. My dad lives in Europe at this point. I think he was in Europe at that point. Um, Still lives in Croatia now, uh, or Bosnia, I'm sorry, Croatian side of Bosnia. And uh, my mom, I'm pretty sure I told her I want to go try out. Maybe I didn't. You know, that's a good question. I don't know. But, you know, once she found out, obviously, she was always very supportive and, you know, uplifting and everything. Uh, but she knew what that job entailed. And, you know, when I went to college, when I went, when I graduated high school, I told her I wanted to become a Marine because that was a little bit after 9-11, right? So if you were a hot-headed athlete type kind of guy, uh, knucklehead like I am, like you probably were, you know, at 18, 19 years old, like, yeah, join the military go and, you know, kill some terrorists, do whatever, <laughs> you know, hot-headed, uh, hot-headed young kid. And she's like, listen, she's like, you go over there with this kind of attitude, you're going to get yourself killed. I want you to go to college. And if you graduate college uh, and you still want to go to the military, you go in as an officer and you lead people. And I was like, all right, deal. You know, she was smart. She uh, knew I'd kind of grow out of that and uh, end up not going to the military. But instead, I went to police work where I still kind of got shot at and kind of got a bunch of crazy shit happened to me anyway. But yeah, I mean, you know, my my history with uh, getting into law enforcement was like kind of like a dare. It was kind of like a joke. It's kind of whatever. Um, I never really I always liked it. I always enjoyed police work. I had fun with it when it was able to be fun. You know, as you know, anybody else that's a cop watching this is not the job is not as fun as it used to be. Um, you know, at least. uh at least uh, comparing like post Obama, post George Floyd, definitely post BLM, uh, post all that stuff. It's become drastically more just shitty of a career, unfortunately. I think that that is particular to certain parts of the country. Sure. I I'm think there are. I mean, yeah, I'm in, you know, I'm in I'm in Florida. You think Florida's all great. Uh, you know, I was in Clearwater, Florida towards, you know, my last seven years of my career. I did 12 years total. The chief was very openly uh, Democrat, liberal, like voting for Hillary Clinton. I'm like, that. that's not going to bode well for a law enforcement profession or a law enforcement agency, just in my opinion. 
it, it ends up kind of uh, getting a little wonky in the way that we do police work, you know? And did it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would get yelled at for doing my job. I would get yelled at, which basically my last two years of my career, bro, I watched Netflix. Like, I was I was out. I didn't care anymore. Like, I went to my calls. I did my stuff. Proactive policing, completely out the window, because anytime you did it, you got yelled at. Anytime you did it, you got you got messed with, you know? It totally took the wind out of my sales and the career, which hindsight being 2020, best thing that probably ever happened to me, you know, I'm in this, I'm in this space now where I'm, you know, and I'm extremely passionate about my, about my businesses, about my career, um, you know, make more money than I ever could have in any law enforcement career possible. Uh, it's, it's a different life and, and my stress levels are not necessarily lower, but they're better. It's more positive stress. So dude, you're in law enforcement. You, you, you take a job at this police department in Florida. It's not what you think it is. You're getting frustrated with it. What's the ultimate breaking point where you're just like, yeah, I'm, I've had enough? Yeah, so it was it was really uh, it was really the ability to no longer do my job. I started getting in trouble, started getting an IA for stupid shit, stupid shit. You know what I mean? Like stuff that has always been done in law enforcement career. They started putting me in IAs for. I rubbed people the wrong way. I didn't, you know, I was a little bit. I was a little bit bad with authority figures, you know, maybe mouth off to a few too many uh, lieutenants and and majors happens, you know, it's the reason I was never promoted. So uh, it is what it is. But, you know, I got into that place where I'm like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to go nowhere type of career at this point in these in this agency. And I just started thinking like, hey, I got to get somewhere else. Uh, I actually applied for the FBI got through every single portion of that application process through the FBI. And then right before I go and do my physical and my, my previous agency was uh, notorious for this. They like doing this for some reason. I had like four IAs put against me right before that happens. I, yep. Why is that? I, you know, I, this is a, this is a common thing I hear. Oh yeah. Oh, it's wild, dude. I didn't even know it was a thing. You know, oh, I heard wild. about it in, in rumors, but I never knew it was a thing. Like, oh why yeah. The, why the fuck would they keep me from doing that? It's crazy. You know what I mean? So either way, I get an IA. Isn't it terrible? I'll, like how fucking terrible is that to do to somebody? It's so vindictive and shitty for, for what, you know? You know, like to retain a body, a number, somebody they don't care about anyway. Yeah. Somebody they don't even like. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and again, uh, everything I look at, I, I it's, it's, a, everything's been a blessing, right? Every, every single issue that's happened, every single thing that I, thought was a detriment was a huge blessing for me. So the FBI thing goes away. They basically said, like, we can't do anything with you right now with these open IAs. You got to get through them. And they even told me, like, we know they're bullshit. This is this is not the first time this has happened. Uh, so I'm like, you know what? Screw it. FBI would have just been another law enforcement thing. I don't want to be in law enforcement anymore. So, you know, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. I was in bodybuilding my entire young adult life. Uh, I, I was bodybuilding and in fitness since age 13. Uh, uh, competed starting at age 17. Uh, but at age 18, 19, I told a uh, coach of mine, a guy who was training me and a mentor in the gym for me. I told the guy, I said, listen, I want to be a professional bodybuilder. I said, you know, my dumb 18, 19 year old self, I'm like, I want to be a professional bodybuilder. I want to be Ronnie Coleman. I want to be, you know, all these monsters, right? By the way, Ronnie Coleman coming to the 2024 Street Cop Conference, Orlando, Florida. You want to meet him? Absolutely. I'm in Orlando, bro. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely. I'll set it up. I'll, I'll set it up. Dude. I have, I have, uh, I have met Ronnie several times. He and I have hung out several okay. times. Oh, cool. I'm not sure if he'll remember me. Um, cause it was back in my law enforcement days, but he's a super cool guy. 
Yeah, yeah. So, dude, like, if you want to get together, come come through, and uh, we'll make oh, sure yeah. we, uh, we'll get a, uh, a a reconvening of friends between you and Ronnie Colvin. He, uh, I'm sure, once we get talking, he'd remember me, you know. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, I told him, I, I told my coach, I want to be Ronnie Coleman. I want to be these, I want to be a monster. I'm like, I know what that takes. It takes me taking a bunch of steroids. So this guy tells me probably the most impactful thing that I've ever had happen to me in my life. He says, I want you to get your lab work done. So he, he tells me to go to this doctor, get my, get my blood work done. My testosterone level comes back. If you're familiar with testosterone levels, uh, my testosterone level comes back at 1470 nanograms per deciliter. I'm way, way over normal. <laughs> as a 18, 19 year old kid. And he looks at me and he's like, you're basically naturally on steroids now. So you're not going to touch shit until you need it. Right. Said, okay. So now I have this in my mind. I'm like, all right, so I'm gonna start pushing, whatever, working out. I'm, I'm natural. Right. So I'm doing uh, just the basics, creatine, protein shakes, whatever. And uh, all this time I'm studying. So from age 18, 19, I'm studying every book, every manuscript, every study on an endocrine system, uh, anabolic, uh, steroids, hormones, how hormones work in the body. I become basically an autodidact in hormones, hormone therapy, how the body works, how the body processes everything because I wanted to be a professional bodybuilder. So now fast forward again, back to my career ending in law enforcement. I know everything there is to know about it. I started TRT maybe at 32 years old, 31 years old, because 10 years on night shift, my hormones took a to, to crash to nothing. You know what I mean? What was your levels when you started TRT at that age? Uh, yeah, did so, you get your panel done then? Yeah. So I got a panel done and normal doctor says, Hey, you're in the normal range. You're fine. My, my levels were at like six ten, which is normal range. I tell the doctor, I said, no, no, no. I have historic lab work where I was almost 1500. And the doctor says, not possible. I said, all right, bro. <laughs> you know, typical primary care physician, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I find this clinic, this clinic uh, understands I have literally every symptom. I'm gaining body fat. I have a low sex drive. I'm losing muscle, my mental clarity, mental health is struggling. I'm starting to get depressed, anxiety, all this shit. So I go and I find this clinic uh, specializing hormone therapy for men and get TRT. Good to go back up into the 12, 1300 range. I feel like a rock star again. Perfect. So I'm leaving my law enforcement career. And one of my guys that I'm working with on midnight, she's like, why don't you go talk to them and see if they'll give you a job? Cause you love this shit. You do this shit, right? You study this anyway. So I go up to the guy and I, I meet him. I'm like, Hey, you have anybody doing sales and marketing for your company? He's like, no, but I need somebody. I said, I'm your guy. What are you talking about? You're a cop. You can't do this. You know what I mean? So I tell him everything that I know. I tell him I want to get a law enforcement. He's like, all right, what do you want? I said, can you match my police salary? And he's like, what's your police salary? I write it down on a piece of paper, give it to him. He laughs. Cause that's a deal for him. You know? uh, yeah. Smoking deal. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, he got a great deal on me. Uh, but you know, I, I just wanted to make, I, I was, I was going to sacrifice. I was ready to sacrifice for this new career. So I get in there and we build this company from 700 some odd, 800 patients to, you know, four or 5,000 in like nine months. Beautiful. Based on social media. Uh, Were you going to cut it at? I mean, I, if you can't talk about, it, I understand that's, that's what I'm curious about. So here's what happened after about eight, nine months. I do so well for this company. We build this thing so, so well. Uh, this guy gives me 20% of the business. I love it. Makes me a partner. So makes me a partner. Smart, dude. Yeah. First, first month, you know, that I had partner pay or whatever at 20%, I basically made 50% of my previous police salary in one month. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I, I cried. He gave me the check. I cried like a baby. You know what I, I mean? bet. Yeah, well, it clears a lot of your shit up, bro. Like debts are going, right? Like, yeah. you know, if I try to tell people there's this, 
and I, you know, a lot of people aren't going to be able to really kind of comprehend this, but man, I could tell you, um, I was carrying so much fucking debt. You know, I remember my father saying to me, like, I had to ask him for five grand. And that was a lot of money for me to ask my father at that time. Yeah. And, you know, of course, I knew I had to go through the fucking gauntlet of why did I need 5,000? You've been a cop for 10 years. Dah, 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 dah. And I'm like, look, man, I, I, I really don't need the riot act. I get it. I've yeah. been out partying and goofing off and doing stupid shit. I'm not. And I, and I had, it's a long story, but I always tell people, like, I remember when I had, I, so I started, people may not know this, but I was also in real estate and I actually started getting very good in real estate at real estate sales. And I remember my first big check, I sold a house. It was like 16,000, my commission check, like 16,750. And for me at that time, I dropped that in the bank and I literally came home and I remember just every day checking the app on Wells Fargo for it to clear. And I literally just knocked out like an entire credit card in one shot. Yeah. And dude, I just like, then we had some more, you know, nothing was that big following that, but then like, you know, 7,000, 8,000. And let me just, let me just forewarn people. This is not me encouraging you to get your real estate license. It is not what you think it is. Yeah. I was actually really entrepreneurial with it. So don't think that that's just going to naturally happen. Um, Just so we're clear. Yeah. And so dude, like when I started getting some of these big wins, I just remember the feeling of like not having debt. At for the first time in my life, and I was like 33 years old, you know, and I was like, God damn, like, you know, I guess my advice to this is it's very hard to get out of debt unless there's a plan. And I would suggest probably reading some articles of how to get out of debt. My essentially, I think your uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, and I don't know who the name of the uh, author is, but they it's like the ABCs to ending credit card debt or ending debt, some shit like that. They okay. have a strategy built into that. So you essentially pay the minimums on all your cards, but principally start shoving one down. The only other way you can get there is to have massive gains and then throw massive fucking water at the fires. Yeah. And dude, there was nothing better than like literally just erasing credit card debt immediately with one shot, one full full swoop. And just like that card's done. Then the next card's done. There's like 8,000. I'm like, this one's next. And you know, it was a lot of hard work, dude. I didn't sell a house. I got my real estate license in June. I closed my first house December 23rd, the day before. And dude, I couldn't buy my uh, kid Christmas. Like I didn't have any money. It's really, it's a fucking, it was this real tough time. I I owed the, my, the guy that I worked for, I owed him money for my real estate fees. I didn't know I had to pay $500 a month to work at Remax. Yeah. And I didn't know where to go. I had no, I had no, and so I was like, dude, I, so when I got it, I gave him most of it and kept like a couple hundred bucks for Christmas gifts for my son, who was a baby at the time. And, mm-hmm. and at my, my wife at the time. And, um, you know, I was like, Hey man, he's like, dude, you know, you're the one of the first people that ever paid me back. Like, I'm like, dude, I sold this house. You know, I, I, I know I owe you this money. I can't live yeah. knowing I owe, I think I owed him $3,300. I think my commission check was like $3,500 or like well, 3,700 bucks. Yeah. So I paid listen, him. Listen, I mean, people, people do not People do not treat other people like that. You know, that's that's a that's something that really you should be really proud of. And that's why people don't expect that. But that kind of mentality, I mean, is is amazing, you know. But uh, you know, I, I talk about this all the time with with uh people that came from our backgrounds, right? Law enforcement, law enforcement guys. And uh I get cops all the time that are reaching out to me, like, hey, you know, how'd you get out of your way and like started this business, stuff like that? I'm like, you know what's crazy. And what a lot of law enforcement guys don't realize 
is how much stress we are able to take, right? And how that translates into everything else. Like, that's a superpower. How we deal with stress and anxiety and stressors and how we can adapt that, that's a superpower that will literally garner success. So if you know how to deal with stress, you will ultimately become successful in whatever you do. Because people break under pressure. What are cops taught to do? Literally take stress and run towards it. (laughs) Fucking head on, go, go run towards the gunfire, run towards the fight, go to that domestic call, lights and sirens, weaving through traffic, going to everybody's worst minute or worst day possibly of their lives. And we have to stay calm, cool, and collected. Does anybody even realize how beneficial that is in everything in business? We can literally take anything. Hey guys, follow us on all social media platforms to include Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook group. We have so much information going out every single day and we don't want you to miss out on any of that stuff. So check it out. Go give us a follow. Let's go back to you. Now you get 20% of this company, your first check. This is it's where it fantastic. gets fun. This is yeah, where it tell gets me. fun. So second month of that happens. And I have to be a little careful with what I say uh, on here because there's still a lawsuit situation happening with me from uh, from this. Yeah. So I get a I get a tip from a person in a in a certain three letter agency that I used to work with in the JTTF. And I get a call from this guy and he says, hey, are you involved with this company? And this is the owner and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I, I became part owner just uh, last month. And he's like, okay. He's like, uh, you got to run. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I find out that there is some nefarious activity. And I've been very open with this on my uh, podcast and stuff like that. So I can say a little bit. I've been very vocal in, on social media, which is one of the reasons why I'm getting sued. Uh, this guy's basically selling illegal steroids out the back door in a medical clinic that is dealing in hormone therapy. Whoa. Not uncommon, believe it or not, in this industry. The industry that I'm in is extremely dirty. You know what I mean? There, there's some shady shit going on there. So, uh, you know, I basically confront the situation. I ask him. He denies, denies, denies. I start paying attention a little more. Since I have a management capacity, I start seeing it. Hand-to-hand deals happen in the front lobby. Literal unlabeled drugs for cash. I'm like, fucking hell. So I basically tell these guys from these three-letter agencies, and I say, how much time do I have? Uh, he says, you got to get out of there this summer. This was in June. I'm like, okay. I'm like, give me two months. He said, listen, because you're sticking around, he says, the day you walk out of there is the day you walk into the DEA office in Tampa. I said, okay. So I start, you know, confronting more and more. I try to fix the situation. I even tell him like, hey, listen, let me fix this. You go to the wayside. You know, your 80% is protected. I'll keep my 20% or 19% or whatever it was. I'm like, I'm happy with this. Let me fix the situation. Let me get this business you know, on the right track where there's no red flags. Um, and I will always make sure your money's protected. This guy's a friend of mine. You know what I mean? This is per- somebody that I, I really confided in. Uh, and, you know, he ends up blowing up, telling me to fuck off this, that. I'll take your 20% away. I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. I'm done. Walk out of there uh, early, early August. And I was already planning stuff. I was already trying to make moves behind the scenes, making sure that I was able to figure out if I'm going back into law enforcement, if I'm going to try to do this on my own. And uh, I end up walking out of there early August. I walk straight into the DEA office. I get interviewed with two guys that I have met before (laughs) and somebody that's on a DEA task force from a law enforcement agency in the county that I was working in before. And I give him my full statement. He's like, all right, we'll be in touch. You and I both know federal cases. They last forever. 
You know what I mean? You'll get a subpoena five, 10 years down the road sometimes for some of these cases. It's just how it works. So this case is still ongoing. They have my statement. I'm sure I'll be in court at some point. Uh, but yeah, I left there and I basically started formulating some partnerships. And I basically said, am I going back into law enforcement or am I going to do this on my own? I said, law enforcement's not a choice. I've tasted this. I have to keep going. So I put every single penny that I had saved, every single bit of credit that I have, I brought in an equity partner and I start building my own clinic. Um, because of my employment contract, I had to go 50 miles away. So I had to move out of my city. I had to move out of Tampa Bay. I love Clearwater. You know what I mean? I move out of Clearwater. I move 53 miles away into Orlando <laughs> at a 50 mile radius or whatever it was. I forgot what the radius was, but I move a couple miles outside that radius. And I basically, uh, you know, go in and start my own clinic with, you know, I'm not paying my car payment. I'm not paying my mortgage. I'm living in a one bedroom, one bathroom shit apartment here in Kissimmee. Uh, and I'm sleeping in my office half the time. My old office is down the road, small, you know, maybe 1100 square feet. Uh, and it's me. I'm doing four people's jobs, one nurse practitioner. I'm paying a medical director and I'm paying a medical assistant at the front desk. And that's how it was for a while. You know, I'm basically not able to pay for groceries. I'm walking into Walmart grocery, you know, not realizing that, you know, my car insurance came out a couple hours before that. I go through with a cart full of groceries, excited. I'm going to eat some good food tonight. Nope. Declined. Check my account, you know, $11 in there. Awesome. Embarrassed. Leave the cart there. Walk out. That was, that was my life for a while, you know, and I didn't have to do that. I could have asked for help. I could have asked, you know, could have called mom. I could have called dad. I could have called friends, uh, other family. Something inside me said, nope, nope. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to fucking do it. I'm going to, I'm going to put myself through it. I'm going to do this on my own. I need to go and put everything that I have into this and really suffer for it. Uh, and it was the best thing that I ever could have done. It taught me a lot to get through that. What year was that? Uh, that was 2019. So we are four years later. What happens? How does the turnaround start to begin? Yeah. So uh, 2020, I uh, leave my equity partner. We had two clinics. He was in Sarasota. I was in Orlando. And we were combining to basically make one large corporation, 50-50 ownership. The guy, long story short, tries to screw me over, take my concept, bring me down to 20%. There was no contract signed yet. Uh, I told him, I said, take your Sarasota clinic. I'll keep my Orlando clinic. You know, he's like, fuck off. You're going to fail. You have no money now, blah, blah, blah. What he didn't realize is that my Orlando clinic here was in the green and his Sarasota clinic was very far in the red. He wasn't paying attention. Rare for a finance guy. Uh, so, you know, I gave him a hug. I said, thank you for the help and the opportunity. And I whispered in his ear, I said, you're going to be closed in six months. And uh, he closed five months later. And uh, Orlando clinic here has grown from, you know, a few hundred patients uh, I now have two offices, one here in Orlando, one in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I have a medical director who's a partner who's coming in as the chief medical officer of my medical corporation. Uh, I'm basically ready to open my next three United States-based clinics. So we'll be at five total clinics. We're currently managing over 10,000 patients between the doctors and nurse practitioners. Uh, been awarded nationally, awarded internationally. I've been keynote speaker from the business side of things, uh, on hormone therapy, on wellness, on holistic health through hormones. Uh, I've been regarded as an expert 
A4M trained, A4M certified, which is American Anti-Aging uh, Association. Uh, I went to Dubai to get educated by one of the best doctors in the world in anti-aging and hormone health. Uh, and recently, just in October, uh, just had meetings with uh, people, including uh, some in the royal family of the UAE, to now bring my concept into the GCC market uh, out there to be the first uh, emergence of basically what is United States-based hormone therapy in Dubai. So, I mean, crazy. When I say it out loud, it doesn't feel real. <laughs> you must be doing telehealth, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's what happens. Because, I mean, you know, we we started in 2019. I leave my equity partner in 2020. COVID hits. And I'm like, oh, shit, we're done. Everything that I put in here is done. And then I realized what telehealth is. Make sure the platform is, you know, done the right way. Make sure we have the right licenses and certifications. And I basically go headfirst into the telehealth realm and I, you know, keep my social media up, do a bunch of uh, guerrilla marketing locally. I mean, like I'm an owner of this company and we're open. I think we were open nine to five at that point, maybe 10 to six. Um, but after that, I'd be going and putting up little table booths at gyms. I'd be bringing my practitioner. And I'm like, hey, let's give out free B12 shots. Gym owner says he's cool with it. I'm, I'm in bodybuilding from before. So all these gym owners know who I am. You know, so I'm we're doing free B12 shots, free amino shots, giving people T-shirts, free T-shirts and pamphlets. And we did that boots on ground guerrilla marketing, got our patient base up, kept uh, hammering social media. And we just got a reputation for doing things the right way. You know, very interesting, dude. Very good shit. How about two last questions? One, you have a favorite book. Oof, favorite book. I'll let you do you read books. So here's the thing with me. I'm 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 slightly like uh probably uh attention deficit, uh whatever that, you know, I'm I'm kind of like I'm a person that doesn't really believe in a lot of those monikers, ADD, ADHD, a lot of that shit. I cannot pay attention to reading the written word unless I am wildly interested in the topic. I'll be like reading something and then my head will go somewhere else and I'll read a whole page and I, I will retain none of it. So whatever diagnosis some psychologist wants to give me, you know, have at it. But audiobooks, I love audiobooks. And yep, I, me too. I even learned that way in college. I had to learn through uh, communication. I had to learn through basically debate. So I would get these, I would get these teachers to basically, hey, I need to have a conversation about this topic. I need to, I need to be uh, listening to lecture. I graduated cum laude from Tiffany University uh, without ever reading a book. <laughs> it was all through lecture and and listening. Uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. But if we're gonna go through audiobooks, um, only the paranoid survive. Amazing book about entrepreneurship. Uh, Blue Ocean Strategy, huge. Um, I, I can't I can't pick one. Uh, some of the some of the ones that really impacted my first self-help book, uh, by Mel Robbins, the five second rule. You ever heard that one? Five, four, three, two, one, get up. Boom, launch, let's go. Uh, one of my business coaches and, and people that I really, really got a lot out of, uh, Dan Sullivan. So the gap and the gain, um, gap thinking and gain thinking. So basically, you know, kind of uh, positivity uh, and who, not how. That is one that changed my business life altogether. Who, not how 
basically just, finding just the right who's finding the right who's to do your house. Like I, I, am not, God, I think I just bought that book. Did you really? Yeah. My friend, John just gave it to me. Uh, that makes me really happy. You're, you're going to love it. It's, it's a game changer. Okay. People. So I, I thought it was who, not how I got one. It's uh buy back your time. You gave me. Gotcha. Okay. So Dan Sullivan, who, not how uh, Dan Sullivan and Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Uh, those are the authors of the book. So Dr. Ben Hardy is the one who wrote the book. He is Dan Sullivan's who to the how. Dan Sullivan cool. wanted to write this book. And Dan Sullivan's not an author. He's not good at writing. He's not good at any of it. So he says, who can I get to do this thing for me? So he partners up with people. And in business, uh, you know, everything's delegation. Like, you know, you're you're very good at interviewing on this podcast. You're very good at asking the right questions. You're very good at uh, doing what you do in in street cop training and everything, maybe you're not good at production. So you have people that do that for you. Maybe you're not good at editing. So you have people do that for you. That's your who, you know? So that, that concept really, they, they unpack it to a great extent. So that would be one that I Bought think it. is, yeah, extremely good. And then anything, he just came out with a new book. I'm partial because he's one of my friends and business coaches, uh, Patrick Bet David. Uh, if you're familiar with him, uh, I am he, familiar with him. Yep. I think I just okay. bought one of his books. Let me see what I, you know, so I, bought, uh, I didn't buy his book yet. Your next five moves was his first book. Absolutely amazing. Uh, the new book he just came out with choose your enemies wisely. Um, and that book is going to be a game changer for a lot of people because enemies uh, sometimes become a little more important than your friends uh, in, in business and entrepreneurship. Yep. Yeah. I'm adding it to my wish list. Awesome. Yeah. I, I really want you to, to grab those two books uh, by, by PBD. He is a mastermind. I think he's going to be one of the greatest business and entrepreneurship minds uh, of our lifetime. No, he's really good, dude. Blue Ocean Strategy. I'm buying them all, bro. I'm like, I ain't awesome. fucking scared. Awesome. Get them, get them, man. You know, and this is something that I think people like get scared of about reading books. You know, if you can, if you can do audio books, you have so much time in the car when you're driving. You have so much time doing things like uh, showering, whatever, you know, when you're just kind of sitting there, whatever, uh, doing your morning routine, cooking. I listen to audiobooks all day. You want to get really psychotic? Listen to audiobooks while you're working out. If you can actually get a good workout in and focus on the gym stuff while you're while you're hearing the information from an audiobook, then I know you really got a couple screws loose like me. Dude, I I um you would be amazed at like when I drive and like my kids are in the car, there's no conversation. I have earbud, I have ear like earbuds in listening to my, my really? books. <laughs> yeah, I I won't like you come into my garage. It's so funny. My son the other day told the neighbor down the street came over, and he just goes, "My dad learns from YouTube too. He like knows how to do YouTube and stuff." And I'm like, "What, what makes it? so, dude? Every morning my routine is, I wake up, I piss, I meditate, I make a cup of coffee, and I watch YouTube." Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, the stuff uh, typically is some good shit that comes up today was actually interesting. I kind of let the algorithm decide where I need to be at. Yep. I could tell you what came up in my thing. I just, I just went with it. It was like it felt like, a you know, sometimes it speaks right to me. I'm like, how do you know, YouTube? How do you know exactly what I needed? Yeah. Uh, this was an entrepreneur mindset, powerful motivational speeches for business entrepreneurs. Uh, it was released eight days ago. Okay. I think it was just uh, it was just good, dude. And um, I've been a real hormozy kick lately. He's killing um, it. He's killing it. Uh, dude, his shit's. For a guy like me, I don't know if he can spell it out more clearly. And I just, you know, I've there's a lot of people that I can appreciate and I and I'm thankful for for sharing their gifts to the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and and there are people that 
are mainstream, the ones that I initially got involved with. Oddly enough, a lot of them I've met already now, so it's strange. Some of them I've actually become friends with, which is even fucking That's weirder. Cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's just weird how the world works like that a little bit. Um, you know, I I, I believe that I am uh, still very much Daniel's son, yeah. right, to the Miyagi's, no question about it. You know, so it's it's, it's been interesting, man. Uh, well, you're definitely a it, Mr. Miyagi to a lot of people, too. So, you know, like we talked about levels, you know, you're you're always going to have Mr. Miyagi. Nobody's ever top level. Everybody always, there's always somebody. Unless better. you're Jeff Bezos. If you're Jeff Bezos, there's a, you know, you obviously must know who Seth Godin is, right? Yeah. And one of Seth Godin's, my favorite line, because he does a lot of like shtick humor as well. He's like, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, unless you're Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Because every room you go into, you're the smartest person in the room. So there's no other rooms for you to find. I would say Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, probably on that same level, um, you know, they're both very good at what they do. They they are probably at the top level where they need to be. I'd put Joe Rogan up there. I would say Joe Rogan is the most powerful voice on the planet. People can disagree. People don't like him, whatever. Um, I, I say Joe Rogan is at the pinnacle of what uh, voice is at this point, whether it's media, whether it's conversation, you know, this, this podcast, you know, would any of us even be doing this without him? Probably not. And he started a long time ago. I don't know that people are trying to keep up with him, but he's the one who shot he skyrocketed he stuck with it and he got in early yeah yeah he's the guy okay here's the last one i have for you you've talked about some difficult trials and tribulations in your life and i'm sure there were moments that you were probably just begging for the pain to stop mm -hmm. tell me about what kept you going through those moments and essentially what those moments meant in the future so, you know, I, I think people have a weird view on like sadness, a weird view on, on anger, a weird view on all these things that people have negative connotations of. For me, I had to spin them because if I didn't, I mean, like, you know, figuratively, you know, you want to jump into traffic or you want to jump off a building, right? Uh, whether you're literally or figuratively, it's, it's a bad situation, right? You want to, you want it to end. You want the pain to go away. What people don't understand is that pain is energy, right? Pain, anxiety, um, all this heartache that you have, it's all energy. How can energy go away? It can't. It doesn't, doesn't exist. You know, I'm a very, uh, I'm very big philosophically. I'm, I'm very passionate about energy. I'm very passionate about, you know, whether you believe in God or not, you have to admit there's something else going on, right? Nature, energy, the universe, whatever the hell you want to call it. It's all the same thing. So when I look at, people that don't understand that they can use that pain and use that anxiety and use that fear and all these things that happen to them and transmit that into a positive thing. Man, is that a powerful way to think? So whenever I got to a point where I'm like, man, like a simple one for men, a breakup, right? The pain of a loss like that, you can look at yourself and you can go, woe is me. I need this pity. I feel like shit, blah, blah, blah. You're still going to feel like shit. You can say, okay, let's look in the mirror. Why did we break up? Let's say she broke up with you. Let's say she cheated on you. Why did that happen? Look in the mirror and say, if I was that girl, am I everything that she would want in me? The answer 99.9% .9 of the time from us is going to be, fuck no. No. Do I have a six pack? No. Do I drive a nice car? No. Do I have, do I have, uh, you know, am I as smart as I could be? Fuck no. You know? So you start looking at all these things and say, okay, 
Well, I'm going to take that pain. I'm going to take that. I'm going to transmit it into effort. I'm going to transmit that anger into an effort. Go to the gym, get a six pack, learn something new, make more money. And you're inevitably going to transfer all that negative and sad, you know, negative energy and sadness into a positive action because men thrive on action. So, you know, I can't speak for women. I'm not a woman, but for men, we thrive on actually doing something. So if you tell us, here's our problem, we are natural problem solvers, right? So here's your problem. Your problem is you are not in shape. Your problem is you do not make enough money. Your problem is you are not intelligent enough. Your problem is you are not that superhero level of yourself. Okay. You know what you need to do. Write it down. Go take steps and take actions to fucking get there. That's how my mentality has to be. And I do that even if I have everything. I have a beautiful woman. Awesome. How do I keep her? I have a amazing, I have a cool supercar. Cool. How do I get a better one? How do I get a nicer one? I'm at peace in life. Cool. How do I maintain that peace? Mm-hmm. You know? So all of these things, you can always keep measuring up. But what the problem is that people don't measure backwards. They, they, they automatically get themselves into that woe is me. It's a victim mentality. It's a victimhood mentality. And you end up really just burying yourself into the ground. And that's what I see with so many men out there. It's, it's, it's sad, but it's also something that nobody's even aware of. Transmit all that energy into a positive action. That action is going to end up giving you a positive result. That's life. That's, that's how it is, man. And you only get one of these. And I'll tell, I'll tell every single person, and I, I, I practice this and I preach this. You only have one life, you know, unless we don't know something. If we come back, cool, awesome. I'd love to have another go at it. But we only have one life. Do not live it miserably. You, I, I know so many people that go day to day and they are miserable. And they're just like waiting for what? The end? Death. Waiting yeah, death. It's horrible. It's a horrible way to think. You know, I'm almost 40. I I realistically have 40, 50 years if I'm lucky. If I'm a lucky man, I have 40, 50 years left on this earth. I'm halfway done, bro. You trying to tell me that I'm going to live the rest of my halfway of, you know, the rest of the half of my life miserable if I can avoid it? Fuck that. No way. Dude, I can go on for days. But anyway, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. Dude, it's been great. Where can people follow you? Yeah, so at Tomo Marjanovic, uh, pretty much on all social profiles. You better you spell can... that, bro. I know, right? So at T-O-M-O Marjanovic, M-A-R-J-A-N-O-V-I-C. Um, you guys can probably search Tomo M and it'll come up. Uh, you guys can find me at TomoMarjanovic.com. All my podcast stuff's on there. You guys can find me on uh, any podcast channel, Tomo Talks. Very easy, T-O-M-O Talks. All right, brother, appreciate you. Thank you, brother. Stay safe. Be good. Thanks again. Hey, guys, check out our upcoming training at streetcop.com. Don't forget, we have 50 instructors nationally teaching a variety of topics. These are the best classes you're going to experience in your career. We make sure of it. You're going to love it. I guarantee you, you're going to be thankful that you went. Check us out at streetcop.com for all upcoming classes in your area.